in any game inside of your conference meant that your conference was garbage, didn't play defense, and that you should not be taken seriously. And everybody in the Big 12 remembers that as well. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to throw those cards around, and I'm not going to say that you don't play defense in that conference, and I'm not going to rip on that conference because that game was too good. Just like the Patrick Mahomes-Baker Mayfield games with Texas Tech and Oklahoma when all those SEC fans would just you know, snub their nose at it and look down on it and say, you don't play any defense and your conference ain't any good. I'm not going to do that. That conference is amazing. The game was amazing. And I don't care if there was 1,100 yards and 100 total points scored in that game. Those two quarterback performances were epic and they should be as enjoyed as such. Enjoyed as such. But it's not too far in my rearview mirror when I remember you all down there in the South saying, hey, 1,100 yards and 100 points. Ha! <laughs> That ain't football. That just means your conference is trash and you don't play any defense. I remember that. I remember that. I'm keeping receipts. And you remember it too. You remember it too. Interesting, isn't it? Now, none of us have said that that Bama-Tennessee game was trash on Saturday because the Bama-Tennessee game was awesome on Saturday. But Joel is right, man. There was a time, and not that long ago, that if a Big 12 game was an epic shootout, 52-49, everyone would be saying, <laughs> there's more of that uh, flag football that they play in the Big 12. And now it's probably celebrated in Knoxville as the uh, best game that Tennessee's played or the most exciting game Tennessee's played since 1998. It is interesting, Travis, how the narrative has shifted a little bit in the SEC. Yeah, and, and I think where, where their obvious argument is is, well, these are a bunch of uh, NFL players that are that are doing this, and and you know I I, I get that, but we there were a lot. I mean, M- the Mahomes Mayfield uh, game that, that had plenty of NFL players out there as well, uh, including one of the best uh, quarterbacks that we've seen in the NFL. Um, so, Baker Mayfield. Oh, you're talking yep, about Mahomes. Yep. Absolutely. No, I was, no, I was, I was clearly talking Mayfield. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, the one that turned around the Browns. That's, that, I think that's more impressive yeah. than uh, getting to the Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl. That's got to be. But regardless, I do think that it is, it's, it's just funny, right, when you see 52-42. <laughs> man, 52-42, man, that's, that's a lot of points, man. Just no defense played. And then literally nearly the same score. You're a touchdown away from the exact same score somewhere else. Obviously, it looks, it looks a lot different. Um, you know, there's there's you know Heisman winners and, and first round picks all over the field, so but but it is interesting the narrative because I think college football is just going away from it. I mean, you don't see any unless Iowa's playing. You don't see any like seven to threes or anything like that. You just you have yeah. to score points. These great days great defense is measured differently than it used to be, and that's even the case from ten years ago because in 2011 Alabama had a great defense, man, an elite defense, and I feel like they held teams to maybe under eight points a game, and they shut out LSU in that national championship game in that 2011 season, and now, you know, fast forward 11 years, and I feel like Alabama won a national championship two years ago with a defense that gave up like 19 points per game, and that was number one in the SEC. Yeah, so that, that, that I and, and what like, you're saying, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, gone are the days where you're just going to hold somebody to six points a game. Like Georgia's defensive numbers were really good last year. Still, um, that was a pretty unique defense. But I, I think I do think you have to judge elite defense 
a lot differently than you did even 10 years ago. Yeah, you just have to, again, just adjust the way you look at it. When you look at pass interference penalties, when you look at roughing the passer penalties, when you look at, um, you know, just, just, just how the game is called. And the the big-time spread-out stuff, you've got to have smaller, faster guys everywhere. Not to go full, not to go full speed, uh, full speed D on this, but you have to have smaller, faster guys places. And if you have a roster full of those bodies, then you can get ran over occasionally. So, yeah, gone are the days. Like I said, unless Tyler, you're playing Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> well, even Iowa State. Well, Iowa State actually has you know pretty good defensive numbers this year, but they held Iowa to what nine points, I think, in a ten to nine victory early this year. So, yeah, pretty much everyone plays good uh, good defense against Iowa. I'll tell you something that I keep seeing this week, and it's confusing the hell out of me. I keep seeing, well, well you know, we're seeing it now. College football is just so much better when Tennessee is good. Huh? What? what? Why, why is college football just so much better when Tennessee is good? Like, that was an entertaining game on Saturday, and that was an awesome atmosphere in Neyland Stadium, but I don't think that that automatically means that college football, the sport, has been kicked up another level because the Vols are good. The Vols haven't been good for about 20 years now, and college football's been just fine. So I don't know if yeah. that's like some SEC narrative that's got started, but I'm like, eh, what, 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 are you, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, this is a, this is going to be an an unpopular opinion, but I don't. The, the sport has been as popular as it's ever been. You know, you get some new blood in. You just, people were freaking out about Kansas, you know, being good, and that was good for the sport. Game day goes there for the first time, has a massive attendance at game day. This, that, and the other. Well, like, I guess it's better for Tennessee fans. Like college football, I don't think college football has been bad because Tennessee has been down or because Michigan couldn't beat Ohio State, or because USC has been down, or because Texas has been down. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, maybe it's because people grew up, the people that are saying that maybe grew up in the 90s or something like that, and they were used to, you know, other teams being good or grew up in the 80s, and they're like, man, college football is just better when Miami's good. It's like, is it because, is it because the nostalgia of you growing up watching those teams, and that was when the sport was – the best to you so now that those people are of the age where they have you know radio jobs or tv jobs especially on the national level is it their own nostalgia saying man the sport's just better when these teams are good because that's how i remember it i mean i I don't i don't get that tyler (laughs) college football is good when tennessee is good for the future memes is uh what the text line says defenses holding opponents under 20 points is considered great now I think there's some truth to that. Wade in OKC says Georgia's defense averages under 11 points per game. Yeah, they're pretty Not good against again. Against Penn State. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Tennessee's going to win a national championship this year. I don't think that Tennessee's going to make the national championship game. I think that they're too flawed defensively. But for argument's sake, if they were to win a title this year, in any way does that affect OU? be it recruiting, be it their entrance into the SEC coming up. Like, if we have a new team kind of emerge in the Southeast like the Vols, does that have any effect whatsoever on OU? And I say that on the heels of Georgia just, you know, recently breaking through and winning their first title since 1980. I don't, I don't necessarily think so because 
it would it would just be a bit more parity as opposed to Bama Bama seemingly winning it every other year. And and Tyler, you see a lot of cycles, especially in the SEC. You have LSU, you know, go on that one run. Well, I mean, has that negatively affected OU going for? I mean, obviously the outcome of the game was a was a black eye. There's no doubt, but LSU hasn't been able to put anything together since. I mean, Florida was terrible last year and they you know they had you know the the tebow national championships and like or national championship and it's it's that's the thing it's these teams go in cycles so i don't think it's a situation where it negatively affects OU. it's like oh tennessee broke through and then does that mean that tennessee is now the the perennial power and they wrote they reel off six national titles you know in the next decade i i i personally don't think so um but I feel like any any parity, as long as OU takes care of their own business, um, you know, I don't really care what, what one-off uh, SEC teams pop up and win a national title. Bama's got it rolling. Georgia's got it rolling. Um, outside those two teams, and I guess outside of Texas, I, who is the SEC team that it would really affect OU if they got it going on a consistent level? Is is it LSU? Is it, uh, Probably it, A&M, it, right? Yeah, A and M and Texas would would be the would be the ones just based on you know recruiting area and whatnot. LSU recruits the state of Louisiana so well that I don't think that's gonna that's gonna matter. Yeah, all Louisiana that much. and Florida. I mean, they'll occasionally get out of their state and like maybe the Houston area, but LSU doesn't seem like a national recruiting school. They kind of stay within a you know they kind of stay within the South. Yeah, yeah, they do, and but yeah, I think to your point, it's you you have to keep the people that are in your main recruiting hotbeds uh, keep keep them from going on a big run because, I mean, like I said, Florida's one and three in the SEC right now. Kentucky got off to that hot start; they're two and two. You know, Auburn. You know, Cam, Cam's Auburn. Uh, we haven't seen them in a while. They're one and three, about to fire a coach. You know, A and M's one and two in conference. Like, so you have these like. You have these runs, not to say the Texas A&M's had a run, but you have these runs from teams, and then all of a sudden you look up and it's like, what? Like, what What happened? So, again, if, if Tennessee goes and does anything, I don't expect it to last, you know, for the next decade. Uh, let's see. I think Florida becoming a good SEC team would be a problem. We're trying to make inroads there, and a good Florida team would hinder that. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And, um, yeah, but Florida has so many – like, Florida has so yeah. much talent. Like, yeah, so, yeah. So, when, when – I mean – Basically, there's there's enough there's enough to go around, you know, in Florida. Florida can still recruit that area well. They're recruiting it well right now. They are. They're getting know? towards I mean, a top five class. This well, year. I mean, they're going mean, to get the number two overall player here in what yeah, that, a few days time. And and that's the thing. Like, there's enough uh, to go around. You just can't have all three Florida school, schools doing really well. Then so it's like, really a problem. But I, I'm yeah. not going to be. And I said this this summer is you know I've never needed an excuse to root for Miami. I hate Miami, and I realize they haven't been relevant for a long time. Um, right. I will continue to root against Miami, Florida State, and Florida, which those three things are very easy to do for me because I do I do agree with that text, man. And, and you're right. like Florida has a ton of kids, four and five stars every single year, n- no doubt about it. But, man, life in Florida will be a lot easier for OU as long as Florida, Florida State, and Miami are kind of held at bay on the field. Yeah, at least at least one or two of them, right? Because you've got Florida State's two and three in conference right now. And, you know, Miami's one and one in conference right now. 
Um, and then we had we had obviously just touched on uh, the SEC and Florida, but it's I mean Florida's one and three in conference. So yeah, they're building some classes, but like Miami, like Life Wallet, you know they're getting they're giving a lot of cash out. But uh, we've seen this with Crystal Ball before, Tyler. He can recruit. He recruited to he recruited to Oregon great. Yep. They didn't win anything. Nope. I mean, so when you look at it, you're like. You know, eventually you've got to you've got to win. You can sell dreams and everything like this, but do do your hands have rings on them? Because because that's what the kids want to look. And for And you eventually. should be able to recruit to Miami, right? I mean, just just in you know within a forty mile radius, what they have. Like I, I'm right. not, but I'm not but ready. They're to still cr- trying to. How many times, Tyler, have we heard the? Oh, we're bringing the swag back to Miami. Every head coach has tried to do it. Back. Every like, everyone. And that's the problem. Like that '80s Miami team, you can't replicate that. So stop, like, stop thinking that you have to mirror that in order to be good again. Just, just, just go get, you know, half the the Miami '80s teams. Well, a lot of teams in the '80s, if we're being 100 percent honest, wouldn't even be eligible you know, to play today with with all the things they were doing. So, if you're trying to replicate that, you cannot replicate that um, environment, that ecosystem that the '80s college football was that 80s ncaa was so the fact that miami keeps on trying to recreate this this oh bring the swag back we got the turnover chain oh man miami's back yeah how'd that work out so uh, this text says arkansas would be the most uh, impactful for ou if they got it going consistently which you know arkansas's had good teams in the past but consistently what their last national title was in 1964 Maybe they were right. consistent during that time. I think that they were throughout the 60s and early 70s. Um, so it's hard to really know what a consistently good Arkansas team would look like and if that's even possible in Fayetteville. I, the, the battleground in Tulsa for Oklahoma kids would get a whole lot more difficult, even though they're recruiting at a high level. Um, I guess the Dallas-Fort Worth area would be uh, a little bit more challenging for OU if Arkansas got it going. So I, I could see how that could g- directly affect OU. It's just hard for me to see Arkansas, you know. do I LSU, like there's so many other SEC teams that I can buy getting it together more consistently than I can see Arkansas doing it. Yeah, well, and Tyler, it really comes down to the bad teams, right? Like Arkansas, Missouri, things like that that are, that are perennially at the bottom of the SEC standings. Yeah, if they go on runs, then it's Tyler. It's very much going to be something like we're seeing from Kansas this year. You don't have that week off, right? Like you don't have that doormat team that you usually could count on with Kansas. So yeah, if the Kansases, you know, historically of the SEC decide to get off the mat and do something, yeah, it'd be problematic. I mean, heck, Arkansas might you know sign all the kids out of Tulsa or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, by the way. What are we? Why are we even talking about the SEC? Brett Yormark saying that it's not even happening uh, until a few more years. What did he say? That OU is going to be in the league until the end of the grant of rights, and that OU in Texas, he has a great relationship with them. I'm not necessarily buying it, but I feel like that conversation is more of a thing than it has been recently. Um, you buying OU is going to be in this thing until the end of the grant of rights? I, I, I still believe OU is going to get out before that. Yeah, I do not. I don't think they would have canceled that Georgia game uh, had the plans not been to move. Because, right, you could have played 2023 and 2024 and gotten out of there and still finished the entire thing. So now you totally screw up the schedule, have to schedule new games and everything. You just go ahead and move it. And 
what's the I mean, what's the money going to be like, right? Because they're yeah. not they're not reading. I mean, they're adding new, four new teams. All of a sudden, you're splitting money in a TV contract that was meant for ten teams. You're splitting it fourteen ways. I mean, how does that how does that even make any sense? What, what, what schools would sign up for that? I'm, I'm sure the uh, other four that got approved to to enter the Big Twelve. I'm sure they were under the assumption, hey, you know, we can get them out and we can renegotiate some deals and whatnot. I think your mark's saying all the right things, Tyler, and saying, nope, they've been great partners, man, really good to work with, you know, and we're going to we're gonna do the grant of rights. Like, until I hear it, like, like guaranteed, Josie's like, you know what, we've been trying, we're not going to try anymore, we're here until 2025 and we can't wait. Like, until I see those guys start to really say, like, no, like, this is what we're gearing up for. Then I'm not sure I'm going to believe it because your mark's supposed to say that. What what what's what's he going to say? Exactly. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. They've kind of been, you know, we've kind of, you know, shut them out of some of the discussions because we want to get them out of here. So, um, I mean, what's he going to say? He's supposed to come from a place of strength so he can attract more teams. You know, there's nothing strong about saying, yeah, you know, the two teams that are worth anything to to TV networks, they're leaving us. So come join us. By the way, road trip power rankings to the new uh, four teams. I feel like this one is pretty obvious. Uh, Provo, Utah's one. Cincinnati's two. Orlando is three. And Houston's four. Which Provo is, it's one by a a pretty wide margin. Cincinnati's a clear number two option. And then there's a massive gap in between. And then you get to Orlando at three and Houston at four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I could see that. I, I mean, I'm trying to think schedule wise. I mean, I guess if they're in, then we're we're doing home and homes with all of them. If we go through the if we go through the grant of rights, depending on how the schedule lines out. Just give me uh, if that's going to happen, I'll take a road game at BYU, please, and please yeah, do not do uh, please do not send me to Houston because I know what they're going to do. They're going to schedule an early season conference game OU at Houston Ugh, in the outdoor stadium that they have. Oh, buddy. You think a uh, early September game here is hot? Well, it is hot, but uh, Houston at that time of the year, no thank you, man. No thank you. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It'd be tough. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More to come next right here on The Ref. Keep it locked on the home of Sooner fans. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. At Landers, we're proud to be part of something good, a community of people, the big thinkers and the dream seekers that all work hard to make this place we call home a little better, right in the heart of this great state, our great state. And during Ram Power Days, take $10,000 off 2022 Ram 1500s and $8,000 off the 2022 Jeep Gladiator. Landers Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Norman is driven to serve. Must finance with Chrysler Capital, WAC and TTNL. See dealer for details. Experts say it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill, but you don't have to be a master to get started. At More Norman Tech, our hands-on training gets you on the right track right now with dozens of programs to fit your future. It takes hard work to turn a hobby into your hire. So get to it. Your success story is a lot closer than you think. More Norman Tech, powered by Career Tech. Buying and selling heavy equipment at PurpleWave.com saves time and money. A large selection of used equipment sells each week. 
Choose from dozers, loaders, graders, scrapers, skid steers, backhoes, lifts, trucks, and more. With no reserves and no minimums, buying is straightforward and simple. Find what you need to get the job done now at purplewave.com. Beats and Bites is back at Riverwind. And this time it's for Bedlam, presented by Phillips 66. So don't miss the Eli Young Band. And special guest Wade Bowen. Plus all of your favorite food trucks. The night before Bedlam, November 18th. Tickets are just $5 at Riverwind.com or at the box office. Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center is one of the leaders in orthopedics and podiatry surgery in the state. With six orthopedic surgeons and one podiatrist, along with on-site PT and one of the largest open MRIs in the state, they are able to diagnose, treat, and help with recovery for a wide range of injuries. With offices located across the state, they are never too far away. Give them a call at 405-364-7900 or visit them on the web at orthonorman.com for appointments or more information. The new and improved mobile app and online banking platform is now available at OU Federal Credit Union. Register for access by clicking New to Online Banking at OUFCU.com or the OUFCU mobile app. Experience enhanced features such as email and text message alerts, single sign-on functionality for all features, internal and external transfers, and more. That's all from OU Federal Credit Union, 2000 West Lindsay, OUFCU.com, or call 405-325-2211 today. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Did you know that about 23% of Oklahoma's river and stream miles are impaired by bacteria? Pet waste can pollute surface and drinking waters like Lake Thunderbird by contributing harmful levels of bacteria. Be sure to pick up after your furry friend when you're out and about. We drink our storm water, so please do your part to help protect it. For more information, visit bit.ly forward slash Norman Stormwater. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the sour of the rush. Tyler McComas alongside Travis Davidson, who's going to be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana this weekend, inside Death Valley, Tiger Stadium. You're going to the LSU Ole Miss game. Top 10 Ole Miss, undefeated Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin rolling to LSU, and you're going to be in attendance. I will need a full review on your Tiger Stadium experience because uh, – Many people say it's the best experience in the SEC, and I'm uh, interested to see if uh, the reputation lives up. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I knew that I wanted to watch some football this weekend. So going down to watch, uh, watch a couple of our future foes square off against each other, try and do some scouting uh, reports uh, on the experience so I know what to expect whenever 
OU finally gets to go there. But, yeah, it'll be really exciting. Uh, Ole Miss LSU ought to be a fantastic environment. It is a 2.30 kick, so it's not the night game, but uh, it still will be a blast. It's not an 11 a.m. kick, I know that much. So uh, 2.30 is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking to get some good tailgating eats and yeah how are you spending your your bye weekend uh hopefully on the couch flipping through games all afternoon that's how i'm hoping now that's not what's going to happen uh i will be probably somewhere multiple places you know um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'll probably have some uh, chores to do at the house on Saturday, yeah, you know. Yeah, Honey-do honey list yeah, uh, says no uh, couch for you. I will, uh, I will not be at Tiger Stadium. I'd love to be at Tiger Stadium, and yes, I would see Nick with the LSU band in the student yeah, section absolutely. if I was there. A little Colin Baton Rouge, a little Nick. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited awesome. about the experience, but um, especially just getting to see. Because, you know, we hear about it all the time, Tyler. Just, man. The SEC atmospheres are just different. And I'm, I mean, we saw it from Ole Miss when they came to the College World Series. I mean, they, they traveled like nobody's business. I mean, they had that stadium 95%, you know, Ole Miss. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to that environment and, and seeing what it's like. But for right now, you're at Flamingo Fish and Marine in Eufaula. What's going on at Flamingo Fish and Marine? Oh, uh, we've got uh, people still flowing in and out taking advantage of the bye week by getting out and doing a little bit of fishing on Lake Eufaula. They've got over a million dollars, like a million and a half at least, in inventory, kind of as far as the eye can see. And they've got everything from apparel to rods and reels and lures and live bait. And uh, there's an ice cream cooler up front. You know, they they got everything. Um, I I feel like we talked uh, everyone into a, a little over an hour ago that Dylan Gabriel is the MVP of this team so far through seven games is that is that the vibe you got? I feel like we talked yeah. and went into that. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I do think I think it would have been interesting to ask that question pre-injury, pre-concussion, because I'm not sure it would have been that resounding. But after seeing what it looks like without him, I think it's a okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he, he's the MVP. We've seen enough. Yeah, it was the perfect situation or scenario, I guess, to unfold for him to be the MVP through seven games, right? He doesn't play for six quarters, you see what it looks like, and then he comes back and you see what it looks like, over 700 yards of offense. So it, it's a pretty easy answer to me. Like You, you could convince me that Mims or Braden Willis are better players than Dylan Gabriel. I don't think you'd have to you know, really try all that hard. I think those two players are overall better football players than Gabriel, but... The question was MVP, most valuable player. And Dylan Gabriel is by far, to me, the most valuable player on this football team. And by the numbers, man, he's had he's had a really good year. Has he already solidified himself as QB1 for next year? Or does he still have some work to do in that department? Because a lot of people are very interested in what the quarterback room is going to look like next year. If there's going to be a quarterback competition, who the starter's going to be. I, I, I really think Gabriel's your starter next season. I just wonder if the play has already locked up that he's your guy going into next year. Yeah, I think it definitely has. I mean, you, you don't want a true freshman coming in uh, and, and starting right away. I know that there have been some great ones, but it is not ideal to have you know a freshman come in and play right away. They just have to learn 
way too much. And Dylan is going to have another year in the system, another year with these guys. Um, obviously, he's a guy that we saw with the dime time retreat. He's a guy that values spending time with his guys, getting that chemistry right. And, I mean, imagine that now through a whole season and then a whole off season. You have to imagine that he's going to come back and have probably the best year of his career. Um, he next needs year, to. So. Yeah, he's going to need to for sure. Yeah, I think I think he will. I mean, it's and he's not he's not been bad this year outside of you know some some misthrows, some timely misthrows, and then the TCU game he was bad. But he's had some he's had some nice outings. He's largely taken care of the ball, um, most importantly. And it is Levy's offense isn't super easy to run. You know, like. That's that's part of it. With with Bevel, you know, we saw him get in there and it looked like he'd never played quarterback before. Now, he didn't look like that even in the bowl game at Pitt, and I know Levy knows how to coach offense. So, you know, having Dylan get in there and just be like a second coach after running this offense, I think that's just so valuable. Yeah, um, looking way too far ahead, um, I, I, Gabriel's going to play college football next year. I believe that. Gabriel's going to play college football at OU next year. So... You may not have the best quarterback in college football next year, but you're going to have one that's that, that's pretty good and experienced in this offense, like you said. You, you should have a pretty good offense next year. You're going to have to find a running back or two. You may be looking at Javante Barnes as potentially, you know, definitely one of your top two guys. We'll see how the rest of that position shakes out. We'll see if Mims comes back. But you should be okay up front on the offensive line with Gabriel backup quarterback. I think you'll be probably really good at wide receiver, especially if you can convince Mims to come back. Year two is kind of, you know, it's it's what you're hoping on now. I mean, because you're kind of out of contention at this point. Year two is what you're looking back, looking at to get back in a championship contention, and if you can make big strides defensively, which you know hopefully they will, but if you can make big strides defensively, it kind of feels like you might have the offense to get back to winning a conference title next year. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely, and I, and you brought something up interesting about Mims. What what give me your percentages? How you think uh, you know Mims will handle this off season? What percentage chance are you giving him to come back? Man, I, I would love to know what his gra- uh, draft grade is. I'm going to guess that he's probably um, a mid to late second-round pick, maybe an early third-round pick. That's just a guess. Um, I, my guess would be is that he's not back next year. But, man, that, that that's purely a guess. Purely a guess. Yeah, that's kind of what I would think, too. That's what I would think, and, and, and unless you know this team goes, you know, wins out, wins the bowl game, something like that, and it's just, you know, you get that feeling maybe around the program that, oh man, next year we can really, you know, do some damage because by the end of the year we're really clicking. Maybe the defensive players are, you know, really finally rounding out, and maybe Mim says, hey, look, I could have a Bolitnikov here next year. Maybe you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it has yeah. to be that. It has to be that end of the season. In order, I think, for it even to be a conversation, man. But they got to make big strides defensively between now and yeah. next year. I, I mean, that that's that's the obvious statement. Travis, uh, I, I need to see some improvement defensively from the Kansas game to the Iowa State game because this is a real opportunity. The two weeks off to get better as a football team. I'll, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be very disappointed if they go up to Ames, Iowa and they take a step back, or we don't see a team that's looked like they've improved throughout the two weeks. Like, 
this is an opportunity for you to get better as a team. I need to see this team come out and look like they got a lot accomplished throughout the two weeks. That's And that's on both sides of the ball, man. But that that's if you're working towards building the program back up, that's something that needs to, to happen. Yeah, I, I do agree. And, you know, the interesting recruiting question is always, well, man, do do recruits look at programs that are losing and say, oh, man, I could play early? Or do programs look at teams that are winning and go, oh, well, these guys definitely know what they're doing. I'll just slide in and wait my turn, and then I'm guaranteed to play on a good team. You know, you can sell it either way, I suppose. But when it comes to improving between Kansas and Iowa State, specifically defensively, Tyler, I don't think you can undersell how important Billy Bowman is on the backside of that defense. 100%. And and Damon Harmon. Man, I know Billy Bowman – uh, you know, he gets he gets all the pub, but, man, Damon Harmon had locked up that, that second safety spot um, and kind of jumped Key Lawrence and was getting a lot of reps before he went down. So you lose your top two safeties, uh, not just one. And then you see them playing Woody Washington back there. Um, you know, you see him move, move Colden in to some more snaps. Definitely some moving pieces back there that not only have been caused because of maybe young guys getting a shot, but also – injuries to your two best safeties yeah well th- this is and we did kind of a test or you know kind of an update on the overall mood of the fan base earlier in the show and we, we definitely got some positive ones we got some negative ones but I think for the most part what you would expect you know there, there is a somewhat understanding optimistic feel right now not from everyone but definitely from from some people I feel like that goes away if you go backwards. Uh, allow Iowa State to have a big day offensively and lose the game. Like you got to keep whatever momentum you have in the program right now, and you can't do that if you go up to Ames and let an average at best Iowa State offense roll up some points and yards on you. I agree. I agree. And, and Tyler, I know we weren't thinking it early in the year, but looking at this part of the schedule and – you know, even after Texas, you know, we looked at them and we're like, oh, man, Kansas, ranked Kansas. Oh, no, they're going to, you know, they're going to hand us a loss. I remember the, the ref Royal Rumble, you know, text uh, text thread. Everybody was picking Kansas almost immediately when that line came out, right? And, you know, Iowa State, good defensively. If we can, man, if we can go 2-0 and against two teams that in years past we would just write W on the schedule and not even talk about them, uh, we, you know, we're we're a bowl team, you know, with one more win, and I, I think if you can get some momentum going there, yeah, I think I think the offense can carry us while the defense develops. Iowa State's defense hasn't scored on anyone, so if we go up there and give up thirty to forty points, how do you grade that? I'll grade it awful. Is how I grade it. If yeah, that happens, it's terrible. You should not. And I'm not saying I, I, we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm just we understand what's happened to this point, but Iowa State should not score. 30 to 40 points on you offensively. Yes, they've got Xavier Hutchinson. He's one of the better wide receivers in the conference. But outside that, man, just not a whole lot of top-end talent offensively. One top-end player offensively should not uh, garner 30 or 40 points offensively. So I'll tell you right now, I'll be extremely disappointed if that's what, ha- if that's what happens. You know, in e- even a game, like, uh, no one is in position right now to complain about wins with this team. But even if you go up there and win 45-42, to 42, Travis, and it's, a, it's an exciting game, we're going to have to take a breath after the game and say, dang, this defense is just 
not progressing whatsoever, man. They, I mean, they, they, they've got to figure out a way to get better. So, yeah, 30 to 40 points against that offense would be uh, would be a big setback, what, another what setback. Are you, what are you thinking? And, of course, we're going to a bye week, so we're going to spend extra time talking about Iowa State um, as they are our next opponent. What What are you thinking would be a – I don't know, an acceptable performance from the defense points-wise. Acceptable? Now, let's let's realize what we're talking about here. We're talking about a defense that's looking for an improvement, a defense that's pretty far away from where they need to be. So I just need to see some improvement, right? Uh, you gave up 42 to Kansas, and I know some of that was situational because of the turnovers. But 42 to Kansas, and I think Kansas is a better offense than Iowa State. Uh, I, I think something that would show improvement – how about the 21 to 24 range for these guys? How about that number? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think we can hold this offense. If we just, you know, a couple things here and there. Tyler, you look at the big touchdown pass in the middle of the field early in that Kansas game. The guy just made a heck of a play, man. You hit him, could have picked it off. You had it, you, you had it right where you wanted it. But somehow he comes down with that. I mean, there are things the defense did better against Kansas, and I know nobody wants to hear that because they scored 42 points, but there are some things they did better. Again, you weren't seeing a lot of just the complete, um, you know, blown coverages, blown run fits. You're not seeing Danny Sutsman getting run over um, by, like, a B. John Robinson. Like, it's not happening. So I think I think it's reasonable to to keep it 21 to 24 points. I, I, I would – I would, yeah, I'd be happy. Not I'd take happy. it right now if it was offered to me. I would take yeah, it right I, now in a heartbeat. Yeah, a deal or no deal situation, you know, because you see what Dylan has done when he's been in. I mean, it was brought up on the text line earlier, I believe. You know, 42 points a game, you know, 550 yards a game. You know, as long as we're seeing development, Tyler, I, I don't want to see the same guys out there making the same mistakes and, you know, giving up. 35 points to Iowa State based on the same thing we've been seeing. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. If we give up 35 points and it's a bunch of freshmen flying around out there making mistakes, but you know that they're you know they're bought in, then yeah, give me that. Final hour of the rush rolls on next. Keep it locked right here on the ref. Make the right call for OU coverage in the Sooner State. Lock it on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Your home for Sooner fans. At Landers, we're proud to be part of something good, a community of people, the big thinkers and the dream seekers that all work hard to make this place we call home a little better, right in the heart of this great state, our great state. And during Ram Power Days, take $10,000 off 2022 Ram 1500s and $8,000 off the 2022 Jeep Gladiator. Landers Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Norman is driven to serve. Must finance with Chrysler Capital, WAC and TTNL. See dealer for details. Ever wonder why someone would go to the ends of the earth and leap into the unknown? Maybe a better question is, what are you waiting for? Pacifico is brewed for those who follow their own path. That's living life anchors up. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Right here on your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. What do you call a sales event so big with so much inventory and such great savings that it scares the competition and it's only at Seth Wadley Ford in Paul's Valley? Well, it's a monster of a sales event. Where did that come from? Brandon, this sales event's kind of scaring me. 
The competition needs to be scared because we have over 10 million in truck inventory. Whether it's gas or diesel, work truck or four wheel drives. In fact, we carry any maker model of truck or SUV and we still have the state's largest new truck inventory. The other guys are scared to carry that amount of inventory like we do here in Paul's Valley. Here's what else scares the other guys. We're locally owned and operated and everything we sell comes with Seth's promise. Tell them, Seth. That's my promise of oil changes and engines for life on newer use, gas or diesel, and no additional cost to you. Don't be scared. Put a little gravel in your travel and head to Seth Wally Ford, I-35, exit 72, Paul's Valley, or click us online at SethWallyFord.com. The law firm of Ward and Glass has been serving Norman and the state of Oklahoma since 1998. Ward and Glass has built a reputation based on thorough preparation, attention to detail, ethical strength, and professionalism. We are your community law firm and have consultants to handle all types and sizes of legal issues. Call Ward and Glass at 405-360-9700 and put their 100 years of practicing law the right way to work for you. Or visit us online at wardglasslaw.com. While serving in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. They didn't think I was going to make it. I'm LaToya Lucas, and I'm a veteran. I had to learn to live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Did you know that the odds of you having a major insurance claim are very high at least once in your lifetime? How you handle the steps after the disaster determines how you are set up for the future. There are many questions you will have to answer. Restoration companies are usually the first on the scene after the first responders have left. Don't let a company force you to sign an assignment of benefits or let them tell you they will work directly with your insurance company. If you do, you might have just lost out on tens of thousands of dollars. Call Brown O'Haver today, 405-735-5510 today. For those who bleed crimson and cream, this is for you. With more than nine OU Sports Showcase, save big with the One Pass. The One Pass is your ticket to 80-plus Sooner Athletic events and access to exclusive experiences. The One Pass starts at just $50. Visit Soonersports.com slash One Pass for more information on how to experience the best in college athletics. That's Soonersports.com slash One Pass. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Travis is in Ufala today at Flamingo Fish and Marine. Still time for you to get in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Here's the uh, top ten quarterbacks in college football, according to CBS Sports. Travis, you tell me uh, where your beef is with these rankings. At number one, they have Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. At number two, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. Number three, Alabama quarterback and reigning Heisman winner Bryce Young. Number four, North Carolina quarterback Drake May. Five, you have Carl's Jr. himself, Caleb Williams at USC. Six, Max Duggan at TCU. Seven, Quinn Ewers at Texas. Eight, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA. Uh, Sam Hartman at Wake Forest is at nine. And then Cam Rising at Utah is at ten. And then, uh, like, they're... Like warming up on the sidelines, 
they have uh, Dylan Gabriel listed on uh, on kind of like the next five of that list. So where do you uh, massively disagree with that top ten list? Well, I, I think it's a, a prisoner of the moment a little bit with Hendon Hooker. And and it's not that I think he's he's no good or anything like that. It's just, I mean, when you look at what C.J. Stroud's doing, he's got nine more touchdown passes. Um and Hendon Hooker, and I don't know. I don't know where you stand on passing efficiency marks. Uh, I know that's been kind of a popular thing as of late because obviously Kyler um, broke Baker's record. Baker broke his own record that he had set. You know, they kind of the the all-time passing efficiency record was bouncing around some OU quarterbacks for a while. But I mean, C.J. Stroud's at two hundred seven point five seven, and Hendon Hooker's too at one eight seven point seven two. So maybe I'm splitting hairs. But, I mean, the gap between those two is the same as the gap between 2 and 14. Yeah. So, I mean, and what's crazy is when you look at this, you know, Dylan Gabriel actually has a higher pass efficiency rating than Caleb Williams. Uh, that didn't surprise me, honestly, with what the and, numbers have been. And, like, Cam Rising, you know, you mentioned some guys on that list. But i tell you what, the – I don't know, it's it's – it's harder now because Dylan was out. I do think Dylan, if he just replicates what he did against Kansas or what he done early in the year, that I absolutely think he belongs in that top ten. Uh, I'm I, I'm pretty sure he is above Cam Rising in it. I think Cam Rising somehow against USC they they well we know how against USC, but they left a tight end open basically every single play. And we're not talking about this wasn't Mark Andrews that they're leaving open. This wasn't you know, Kyle Pitts that they were leaving open. This was, you know, well, Kincaid had like 240-something yards receiving, set school records, everything like that. I think a little bit of it is prisoner of the moment when it sure. comes to Hooker and Cam Rising. Now, you're uh, you're finding quarterbacks in the top ten that you think Dylan Gabriel might be better than, and I think Cam Rising at ten is a really good place to start. You could, you know, probably maybe pick one or two others. But speaking of one or two others, how about the guy that's at number seven? Quinn Ewers. Now, maybe you can't definitively say, yeah, I mean, Dylan Gabriel's better than Quinn Ewers. I think more information needs to be available, but Quinn Ewers is not the seventh best quarterback in college football. Not right now. I mean, maybe at the end of the season we're saying that, but I think he's got to prove a lot more, and I mean a lot more, to be considered one of the best seven quarterbacks in all of college football this year. And I'm, I'm sure his numbers when he played have looked fine. I mean, I, I guess he, he played against Iowa State last week and only had 172 passing yards. I, I'm just I'm waiting on it, man. And, and don't give me the 49 nothing win over OU. We know the situations and the scenario in that game. I, I just I don't see anything truly special just yet from Quinn Ewers. I need to see a lot more before I crown him as one of the best in the sport because I haven't seen yeah. it yet, man. Here's the thing. Quinn Ewers is wildly talented. I don't think anybody would argue against that. He throws a very pretty ball, but even in the 49-0 game, he hit OU defenders in the hands three times, including an arm punt uh, directly to C.J. Colden. I mean, so – Here's the thing. I think Texas, once they realize that they that that offense runs through B. John Robinson and not through Quinn Ewers, I think that team is a lot more dangerous. But I feel like they're I don't know if they have pressure or something to I don't know if it's to try and show Arch that hey we're going to be throwing the ball all over the yard. But Qu- Quinn, I, I, 
Bijan gives them their opportunity to win. Quinn has arm talent, but Quinn makes a lot of bad decisions, like a lot of bad decisions. So if if OU defensive backs, you know, spent more time with the jugs machine, we would we would have picked him off three times. Yeah, and and I'm not and, saying he's a bad core. I just don't think no, he's special, he's got a, man. He's not got yet a, anyway. He, he's got a ton of talent, a ton of arm talent. He just needs. He just. I mean, he's, the kid's supposed to be a freshman right now. Obviously, he sat in Ohio State, in Ohio State's quarterback room, counting his NIL deal money for a while. But like. The kid's supposed to be a freshman, and he's playing like it. Yeah. A lot of talent. Kind of like some of the things well, we saw from Caleb. It, it, and here's the deal. If he wasn't the number one overall quarterback in this class, he's not a top seven quarterback right now. That's why he's still ranked number seven. If he was a you know four-star going into Ohio State and then transferred to Texas without that much hype, he wouldn't be in the top ten, man. Like The, the hype around Quinn Ewers is why people think he's a top seven quarterback. And again, maybe at some point in his career he will be. Maybe at some point this year, he, that's what he'll look like. But I, there's... There's just not enough information to say that he is right now. No, Sark, Sark is making him look pretty good uh, with some of the things, especially they did against Oklahoma. Sark's a good play caller, man. Yeah, really no, he, he is. He is. All right, final and, segment of the day uh, is coming up next. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website. At Lander Chevrolet of Norman, we're proud to be part